Welcome to another episode of Chiefs Wire Podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, Chiefs Wire Managing Editor Charles Goldman sits down with Chiefs fullback Mike Burton to discuss his hopes for the team in 2022, as well as his plans for the running back room. Also, we check in on this week's Chiefs press conference with sound from Patrick Mahomes ahead of Thursday's game against the Chargers. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire Managing Editor Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, anything that stood out to you from the week one victory over the Cardinals? Yeah, so yeah, there's there's so much that stood out to me this week. Um, I, I mean, most everyone's going to focus on the offense after the win because Patrick Mahomes and, and everybody, really, they were just phenomenal. But, man, I, I'm going to focus in on the defense for a second because I, I just don't know that they've gotten the props that they deserve. So, I mean, the defensive line and, and the secondary were probably – like the biggest question marks for this team heading into the season. And, man, they, they just didn't disappoint in the slightest in week one. They were both uh, superior. I mean, the defensive line, they had three sacks on the day. Um, mind you, I, one of those came from, from Legeria Sneed uh, on a blitz. But, I mean, still, the pressure was there from the defensive line. They had three different players uh, with six pressures each on Kyler Murray, which – I mean, that's phenomenal for a quarterback who is known for his escapability. Um, they they did a, just a great job at not only pressuring him, but, but containing him and corralling him, as they like to say. And then the secondary, I mean, they finished with like a top two coverage grade in the NFL over at PFF, which I, I feel like their coverage grading is a little bit more based in reality than their quarterback grading. Let's just say that. But uh, And that's even after, you know, Trent McDuffie, he left the game with an injury. Mind you, he was phenomenal when he was in there. He, he didn't give up a single uh, a pass. He wasn't even targeted, um, you know, in the 21 snaps that he played. Then you got Jalen Watson coming in, and, I mean, he was he was just he was great as well. Um, but here's another big one. The, the starting defense, they gave up a single third down conversion the entire game. And, and that's not like one of those like, you know, funny stats where I'm trying to pull one over on you where it's like they're just letting them convert on like first and second down all day. No, they were forcing punts on the regular. Um, I feel like there were like seven, seven drives or so where, you know, it was like they were, they were out of there by, you know. They had maybe like five plays, and they were punting. Just uh, insane. Insane work by the defense. I mean, it's the, this is the type I, – look, I recognize that uh, it's a small sample size, but this is the type of defense that can really help this team win games. I mean, I already think it, – maybe it's a little hyperbolic, but I already think this is a defense that has the potential to be the best defense that we've seen during the Patrick Mahomes era in Kansas City. So I'll I'll leave you with that one to to chew on. Which running back helped themselves more, Clyde Edwards-Alaire or Isaiah Pacheco? I mean, sure, Edwards-Alaire, he reminded everyone why he was a first-round draft pick and, you know, what he can be when he's healthy and at his best. And that was important. Like, he needed to do that. But who helped themselves more? I I think I have to go with the rookie, Isaiah Pacheco, and say that he helped himself out the most of any of the running backs um, because when the Chiefs needed someone to like come in, carry the ball and close out the game, be that, you know, that clock grinder, like he did it. 
I mean, he did such a good job at it that they even scored another touchdown when they were just trying to bleed out the clock. So I, I, I just think, you know, he ended up as the team's leading rusher. So, I mean, I think, you know, uh, he uh, he earned the confidence of his teammates and, and really the coaching staff, too, with that performance. And, you know, now I think there are going to be some big situations where it's like, okay, we need, like, a couple yards and we're going to go to this guy. So I, I think that was an important performance for the rookie um, to really kind of get some momentum going into the season to, to kind of keep that role that he's already carved out and, and now maybe even get some more uh, looks earlier in the game. Who do you expect to step up in place of Trent McDuffie? Yeah, so uh, seventh-round rookie cornerback uh, Jalen Watson was the guy who came in for him during the game, and I think he'll be the guy this week as well. Um, you know, he was almost as dominant in coverage as McDuffie was. I mean, McDuffie played, what I said earlier, 21 coverage snaps, and Watson played 25, uh, I believe, and, and he was only targeted twice. And uh, the, the first target, he had that, that, I think it was a third down pass breakup, um, where, you know, he got his head turned, like, super quick, saw the ball coming, got his hands up, knocked it away. Just a really, really uh, clutch play there. And then uh, there's the, another play. It was on the goal line, and he was matched up against Marquise Brown in the slot. And uh, I, it wasn't a great matchup, and uh, he gave up a touchdown on it, um, which, you know, obviously you don't want to see that. But uh, I, I think the defense that – the Spags had called it. It didn't. It didn't look right pre-snap. I think they probably should have, you know, adjusted, called the timeout. But uh, I mean, he, he was left on an island there against a player that was much faster than him uh, and more explosive in short spaces, and gave up the touchdown. So, um, you know, I think he's going to have his moments in place of McDuffie. But you know. It, I think that the receivers he's going to be matched up against this week are probably it's more more of a favorable matchup, right? He's a bigger guy. I think he's six foot three, six two, six three. Um, so he's a guy who can match up against you know the Mike Williamses. Um, Keenan Allen's not going to play uh, most likely, but uh, that other bigger receiver, I believe Josh Palmer. You know they're they're going to have some guys that. Um, that are kind of, you know, bigger, not quite as, like, shifty and quick as the Marquise Brown uh, guy. But I think that'll be more so his uh, his forte in those types of looks than, say, uh, you know, matching up uh, against the shiftier slot guys. Sean, Jacob, and Sam of the No Place Like Mahomes podcast ask, uh, what changes do you anticipate and the Chiefs' game plan to try and negate the Chargers' pass rush on Thursday. Yeah, this is an excellent question. I um, I don't really expect the Chiefs to help their tackles out too much against Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. I, I know you're probably like, what? Like, why? But the Chiefs just don't really do that. Maybe the occasional running back chip out of the backfield, but uh, other than that, I don't, I don't really expect much. Um, I think what you're going to see... To kind of negate that that dominant edge rush is you're going to see quick, quick passing game in full effect. I mean, Mahomes was getting the ball out pretty quickly in Arizona, but I think it'll be even quicker this week. And, I mean, you're also going to see Andy Reid deep in his bag of tricks. You know, screen passing game. You're going to see 
running back screens, tight end screens, wide receiver screens. I think you're going to see the whole the whole gamut uh, of the screen game. Now, I also think what you're going to see, and you saw a lot of it last week, I mean, I think the Chiefs led the NFL in pre-snap motion, and I think you're going to get a lot of that this week um, to kind of freeze those edge rushers a bit. And I won't be shocked if, you know, they have, you know, Michael Hardman or somebody take, you know, a couple of these these pre-snaps, uh, you know, on like, um, you know, an end around or, uh, you know, orbit motion, something like that, where they, you know, where they get the ball to him, um, and, and get those, those pass rushers kind of thinking about it. Right. Because, you know, it motion's great and all, but if they don't buy the motion, then they're not gonna, you know, they're, they're not going to have that, that second thought that can really help you, you know, make a big play happen. So uh, I think I think we're going to see a lot of that um, to kind of offset Bosa and Mac. Joshua Paris asks, "Will Furry, Furious George George Karloftis get his first sack at home versus the Chargers?" Now, I'd say it's highly likely that this is the week that George Karloftis gets his first NFL sack, and, and it's probably easy to say when he hasn't got, <laughs> hasn't gotten his sack yet and is about to play a game, but. Um, Chargers wires, Gavino Borquez, he actually told me, uh, today, I was on a, a podcast, different podcast with him. Um, he told me that the right side of the offensive line for the Chargers is a pretty big weakness and that they gave up quite a few pressures in week one and didn't look so great against the Raiders. So, I, I mean, I think that, you know, you line Karloftis up over there and he's bound to, uh, get, you know, a, a good rush and, get after <clears throat> Justin Herbert a little bit, but, you know, they also have a rookie, Zion Johnson, who's going to see a lot of Chris Jones, so that's going to mean favorable one-on-one matchups for uh, the guys on the outside, so I, mean, I think it could be a good day for the edge rushers to kind of tee off, but, you know, I spoke about this a little bit uh, on that, that same podcast, too, but I think that, you know, um, really, uh, this game coming after playing a quarterback like Kyler Murray is going to be big because, you know, um, Herbert, Justin Herbert, he has kind of that same type of escapability factor where you don't want to like flush him out of the pocket because that's where those like big plays down the field can happen where he finds, you know, receiver coming free and whatnot. You kind of want to keep him, contain him, corral him in the pocket, force him to play that game. Um, so I think this game coming this week and, you know, having the game plan for that, like, it's going to be a very similar game plan. I don't think they're going to just, you know, blitz the heck out of, uh, out of, um, Herbert there. But I, I do think that, you know, there's going to be ways, different games and stunts and, and ways that they can kind of, um, get to Herbert with some of that pressure and, you know, potentially get Karloftis his first sack or get others their first sack on the year. And lastly, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, obviously we've got a ton of post-game content from week one. You know, short week, so everything's kind of cramped together. Um, but yeah, you got a ton of, uh, of the, the post-game content from week one. Lots of pre-game content from week two that's uh, out there already from us here at Chiefs Wire. Um, I wrote an article about the one thing the Chiefs need to improve ahead of week two, for instance. That is absolutely worth your time, uh, by the way, because... Because as great uh, as great as the uh, as the Chiefs, <clears throat> excuse me here, as great as the Chiefs looked in uh, in 
in week one, like there's still some things that they can fix, that they can get better at, that will help them win games down the line. And uh, this one was a pretty big one. So uh, there's that. And then, you know, if you're not checking out uh, Wesley Roche's weekly special teams articles, I mean, you should fix that. That man is a madman. All the charting that he's been doing, uh, <laughs> looking snap by snap. And um, the first ones actually was out this morning. Uh, but, but you know, he, uh, he also had a 2021 special teams review a few weeks ago that was superb. So... Um, there's all that stuff and i mean look we got plenty more on the way too uh head of thursday obviously keep an eye out for our chiefs wire staff predictions for instance pretty sure most everyone's going to uh probably end up picking kansas city but uh you know early season confidence what what can i say uh, <laughs> well that was uh that was that was that was great huh um you know what we say you know what we say at the end of this here go chiefs So first off, I'd like to start off uh, by taking us back to week 15. Thursday night football against the Chargers. Um, you score your first touchdown uh, since since 2015. It's a seven-yard carry, I believe. You caught a couple passes for, for 20 yards. I mean, it was a big win for Kansas City in the grand scheme of things uh, in terms of the playoff race in the AFC West. So I, I just want to know, like, how special was that game for you? And what enabled you to have like that type of performance at a pivotal mm. moment in the season? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, you said it best. Uh, it was very special because we won the game. And again, it was an AFC West opponent. You know, those are kind of twofers. You want to win those divisional games and it was on national television. Um, I think it gave our team some juice, gave some momentum. So it was uh, definitely a big game that we were able to come out you know, on top, which is what made it special. And in terms of performance, you know, it, it's really the, the offensive coaches, you know, starting with Coach Reed all the way down to Eric Bieniemy and Greg Lewis, um, putting me in the position to be successful, right, giving me those opportunities, those chances to be successful. And, um, you know, it takes them to – you know, make that play call. And then it takes everybody else to execute their job, which everybody did. Um, and then it just, you know, falls on me to execute my job, which I was able to do. So um, just really excited to have those types of opportunities and trust my coaches and teammates. And I'm really glad that uh, it worked out. We got that win. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm curious. I mean, you played like six offensive snaps that game. And mm-hmm. I mean, you, and you don't technically get a, a bunch of snaps every right. game, right? I think your high right. last season was like 13. How do you prepare when your snap counts aren't necessarily always going to be that high to make sure that those snaps really, really count? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it, it's a ton of, you know, film study, ton of tape, uh, you know, repping those things in practice, before practice, after practice, you know, going with them, my coaches, you know, seeing myself, visioning myself, doing those things, you know, all throughout the week, um, you know, think the, all those things kind of added together can kind of help you be prepared, you know, confident on game day to execute your job. And then another large part um, is the special team stuff. So making sure I'm studying on there and make sure I'm practicing hard and doing everything I need to do in practice to succeed in special teams. Cause that's another big role in a role that I, you know, take very, very prideful in that, you know, something that's very, very important to me to make sure, you know, I excel at that. So again, that's, it's a lot of film study and it's repetitions and it's putting in the work after practice to make sure that when, you know, the game rolls around, you know, you feel confident in your job. Awesome. Now, 
Hey, special teams, you guys had a lot of turnover this offseason, mm-hmm. specifically in that unit. Um, are you back right now for, for phase two? or Yes, yeah. yes, I'm back. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Have you gotten a sense of, of what that group's going to be like this year, just in those early meetings? Yeah, I think we're, we're going to have a great group. And it starts with Coach Tobes, uh, Coach Andy Hill. You know, they do an unbelievable job of not only getting the right guys, you know, um, on the special teams unit, but then coaching the technique, coaching the skill that it takes to be successful. Uh, and then when you combine that with the right guys and their coaching abilities, that's when you see, you know, really, really good special teams unit. And that's what we are. And that's what we strive to be the best in the league every single year. And we have that mentality. You know, we're a group of guys that take special teams incredibly serious. We understand the importance that it has to winning football games. Um, and we come to work every day, you know, making sure that we get that done. Great. Hey, and you know, uh, Greg Lewis, you're, you're, I guess the other coach you spent a lot of time with uh, in the running yeah. back room, it was his first year last year working with the running backs. He's got a, a receiver. Yeah, he's, he was a receiver himself when he played in the NFL, mm-hmm. and then he's been coaching yeah. receivers for years now. So mm-hmm. I'm just curious, what, what was that like for you having someone like that with that type of background coaching you? Mm-hmm. It's been an awesome experience uh, being with coach, you know, Greg Lewis. He is a football coach. Uh, I am a firm believer he could coach any position, offense or defense. Extremely intelligent guy, hard worker, puts in the work to understand it, but not only in himself, but then puts in the work to be able to communicate it to our players so that we understand it better. And I think that's one of his strengths is he makes it very easy for us to understand whether it's the run game, the pass game, the protection game. All of that stuff um, is communicated extremely well from Greg to us, which allows us to then go play fast, which makes our group better. So very, very intelligent guy, great coach, um, love to be around and brings great energy throughout the building, very close to all offense and defensive players, you know, throughout the building, you know, been there for a while, was a player himself. So he has that, um, you know, his has that side of him that he can bring to us and help us because he's been in our shoes before, which I think is just another addition that makes him such a great coach too. So um, can't speak highly enough about him. It's been uh, an unbelievable experience of playing, uh, playing for him thus far. Awesome. Um, so another coach, real, real uh, important one here, Andy Reid. Yeah. yeah. And he's always, always, as long as I can remember at least, carried a fullback on the roster. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he does so now when there are teams in the NFL, they're kind of going away from that and don't really seem to value the position. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what is it about Coach Reed's scheme and, and really his mind for, for, for offense and for the fullback that makes it so fullback friendly? Or, or I mean, why, why do you feel that the position can still be impactful um, really within his offense, within his scheme? Yeah, I think because it, it – it, the versatility that it brings, right? I think you really can keep defense on their heels. You can come out in 11 personnel or 21 personnel, um, or then you can come out in 22 personnel and, and big people, right? Whether it be short yardage, goal line, those types of things. Like he will come out short yardage in, in uh, 11 personnel as well. And be, to be able to switch it up and kind of make that interchangeable, I think is very valuable. Um, but it's really my job, you know, to make sure I'm, doing what I need to do in order for him to call those plays that involves a fullback and 
roster fullback, you know, that goes back to the special teams, being able to play special teams, all those things. Um, you know, in order to roster one, you got to be able to do a bunch of different things. You got to be able to run the football, you know, block, pass, protect, catch, do all those things. So a lot of that job falls on me, you know, and, and making sure I can do those things. So he feels comfortable calling those plays and, and having me out on the field. So my job is just to be extremely versatile, be able to do different things um, and just, you know, be the best fullback I can be. Absolutely. So the offensive line last year, it kind of came together really quickly after, mm-hmm. you know, the Chiefs had a bunch of different guys the year prior and they come in kind of totally revamp the whole thing, have a couple of guys, a couple holdovers, but uh, you, you're getting kind of involved with them at the same time. You're all kind of new at the same time mm-hmm. last year. I, I mean, what, what was that like learning and kind of growing with them as the season went on? Yeah, that was an awesome experience. You know, Brett Veach and his staff did an unbelievable job getting those guys together um, and just the talent and depth that they brought in uh, was amazing. And then our coaching staff, you know, obviously starting with Coach Andy Heck, does an awesome job with those guys. And they just they played great last year, extremely reliable, tough, physical guys. Um, You know, they were really the heart and soul. Right. And um you know, just being able to play with them and feed off their energy. You know, they made everybody else better, especially on the offensive side of the ball, just the way they would work. And, you know, the uh, the strength that they gave us in the games and, you know, the four-minute situations and game situations, be able to lean on them or rely on them um, is very special. Um, just a really great group of guys. That's great to hear. Hey, so last season uh, in the playoffs, I believe that, that it was your it was your first championship game, right? AFC or NFC? Yes. Yeah. Yes, AFC. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, obviously, outcome wasn't as anyone would have hoped. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I mean, can you reflect a bit on that experience and maybe what you learned in the process? No, absolutely. Um, I mean, man, being a game away from the Super Bowl is. Uh... You know, it's it's part of that journey. You, the dream is the Super Bowl, right? And you you were so close um, to getting there, right? And um, it just gives you more motivation. You know, right when the season ended, you know, that's all you're thinking about, right? You know, what do I got to do to get back to that game? Um, so you want to get back to work. You're highly motivated to make sure not only do you get back to that game, but you finish the game in order to get to the Super Bowl. So it was a great learning experience. Um, and the type of guys and coaches that we have in this organization and this culture um, understand that, you know, we can do better and we can finish. And that's, you know, we've taken that to heart this offseason. Guys have been working extremely hard to make sure we're on top of every single detail to make sure that game is finished and, uh, you know, we're playing in the Super Bowl. I'm just curious. I mean, how – with the influx of new players, how do you kind of help them to, to feel that same way, right? Because – a lot of mm-hmm. these guys coming from college, I mean, some of them have competed at the, the highest of levels, but others probably mm-hmm. are going to get a little bit of an awakening of sorts. Yeah, right. Yeah, but, exactly. But how do you how do you let them know that like, hey, like we were this close last year, we were this yeah. close and we ta- mm-hmm. we could taste it, you know? Yeah, and, and, no, absolutely. I mean, I was that new guy last year, right? right. Um, and they had, they've won a Super Bowl the past couple of years, been to a Super Bowl, so you kind of learn quickly when you get there that the culture is, you know, this is a championship mentality. Every time you step foot in the building, you know, this is the expectation is the Super Bowl, and you kind of have to fall in line. If you don't, 
you know, I don't know, you know, your time might not last there just because those are the types of guys they want in that organization championship mindset mentality guys. And, um, but like I said, if you're coming, you know, into that organization it's because, you know, the coaches and the state, you know, Brett Beach and his staff are bringing in the right caliber players, um, that have that mindset. Right. So, um, you know, guys that have been here can help, you know, explain and talk to them about what it takes to get there. But it's also just shown by example, you know, it's put in the work every single day. It's, it's taking the classroom serious. It's taken, you know, all the phases seriously and, and all those things that just understand the sacrifice that it takes, you know, to be a championship team. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now I, I want to, there's something I, I saw, I, I'm, I saw it last season. I'm trying to remember what week it was, but I think it was Tyron Matthew. And I think he, he had like a quote tweet uh, of Rick Burkholder's. And it was something along the lines of when I'm a coach, I want to coach a bunch of players like Mike Burton. And I'm, I'm just, what, what did he, one, what did he mean by that? What did, what did you do to, to make him say, was there one specific thing? And then, I mean, what does it mean to you to have a teammate say something mm-hmm. like that about you? Yeah, uh, I'm not. I don't think it was one specific thing. Um, I really, I'm not sure, but I was definitely uh, very excited and happy, you know. To um, I was just thankful that he said that. You know, I think that's maybe the right word, just because a guy of his caliber, right? Paul, uh, uh, you know, Hall of Famer. My eyes. Yeah, I was gonna say he's Hall of Famer. My eyes. Pro Bowler. You know, yeah. All Pro. Been around the league. You know, Captain. You know. Um, plays at a high level, you know, just a great teammate, great player to say those things. And, you know, for me, only having been there a year um, is really, really special. You know, I just try to be the best player I can be, work my absolute hardest, um, you know, and I just tried to, my goal is just to help the Chiefs win as many games as possible and get to the Super Bowl. That's my my only goal. And, um, you know, I think maybe him being able to take notice of that was, was very special. And uh, I definitely, you know, appreciated that tweet for sure. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So uh, I I wanted to ask you about some of the new faces uh, in the locker room. I I don't know how many of these guys you've been able to chop it up with yet, but we got the the new kid from your alma mater from Rutgers, uh, Isaiah Mm -hmm. Pacheco. Do you know him at all? Are you familiar with him at all? Yes, I am familiar with him. So I miss playing with him at Rutgers, but I had – you know, the years that I've gone back to, whether it be the spring game or spring practices, you know, my, in my off season, I've been able to, you know, meet with him, talk with him, watch him practice, you know, talk about the coaches that were there kind of about him and, and things like that. So definitely know him and uh, very familiar with him. Awesome. I, I mean, is there anything, I, have you, have you been able to study his game at all? I mean, do you, do you look at stuff like that when, when a new guy comes into the league that you see him get drafted, you go and look up his film and you're like, Hey, I got to, yeah, I mean, when he gets drafted, they usually have, you know, highlights and, and stuff like that. But having been somewhat familiar with him, I kind of know the type of player and person that he is. I mean, he is a physical hard nosed runner who also has great speed. I mean, you watch his tape, he's running away from guys. Um, you know, from, from a physical standpoint, he has the tools. And I noticed that probably two years ago when I was at a Rutgers practice, just the way he runs the football, his passion. I mean, he's running every carry like it's his last, um, you know, and I think that's very special. You know, that's that guys feed off that, you know, so that's going to be great for the locker room and, um, you know, great personality off the field as well. Just a great kid, um, you know, very excited to have him, you know, come in here, you know, next week or whenever the rookies get here. Yeah, man. And 
Hey, he's also, I, I've heard that he's a pretty good blocker too. I, I, I feel like that's something you all be able to, to, uh, yeah. to have in common there. I, I've seen and heard, uh, some of this pa- his past blocking snaps, I think might, might get him some early third down work. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yes, yeah, like I said before, uh, a big kid, he definitely has a size and strength. I think he hit maybe 27 reps on the bench, the combine. And I mean, he's definitely got that strength and mentality, uh, to be a pass protector. There's, there's no question about it. So I've really, I got one like final thing for you here. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you kind of about the running game a little bit uh, this mm-hmm. upcoming season. I mean, Chiefs fans, we've always been spoiled. Uh, always mm-hmm. been spoiled at the running yeah. back position from, you know, yeah. when my when my father was a fan watching Mike Garrett and Christian Okoye <laughs> to Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, Jamal Charles. Oh, yeah. It just goes yep. on and on and on. It's, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, laundry list of names. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like fans uh, maybe weren't, is thrilled about what they saw last season or last couple seasons. They kind of miss those days. And I'm just wondering, like, you get to see this group work, and I know it's really, really early still, but what do you think that the Chiefs Kingdom can expect out of out of the running back room next season? Uh, they can expect a great, a great running back room from all guys. Everybody competing, everybody, um, you know, uh, putting their work in everybody, like just a joint committee of great, great backs. Uh, the addition of Rojo is going to be great. We already have Clyde Edwards, Lair, Derek Gore. Um, you know, we have a stable of backs that can do a lot of different things. They're all very versatile. They can catch the ball. They can run, pass, protect. So um, I'm very excited for this group. And, and you know what else too? They're great teammates. They're great people. And, you know, they work, you know, they sacrifice. It's really important to them. So couldn't be more proud to be part of this room. And I'm um, very, very excited for uh, the games to come and, and watch these guys put it on live TV. You love to hear it. You love to hear yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And really, no really doubt. great talking with you. Yeah, you too, man. Have a good night. All right, take care. All right, brother. How have you seen what have you seen from their defense uh, as you review film of the Chargers? And do you kind of take a little, you know, a little sense of pride in the fact that these teams are really just prepping, really just for you, and the way they've changed their personnel roster? Yeah, I mean, I mean, not just me. We have great quarterbacks in this division in general. So you saw every everybody in this division get back pass rushers, and so they can go out there and get after the quarterback and make it hard on us. Um, but uh, Khalil's a great player. I mean, obviously they have Bosa already with a, 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 pref- uh, a lot of other guys that, that go out there and can rush the passer. And then they have a good defense everywhere. I mean, they have Derwin at safety. I know J- JC, I don't know if he's playing or not, but he's a great corner. And they have other corners that can play as well. Um, and linebackers. So, I mean, this is a great defense, a great challenge for us early in the season. Um, I'm just sad Khalil came back, man. I thought he was out of the AFC West, and now he's back getting sacks again. Patrick, the broadcast caught you throwing up four after the fourth touchdown. It was eventually five. What was, if you remember that moment, what was firing up so much in that moment? Were you kind of speaking with it, if you can recall that in Arizona? Uh, I mean, I don't even remember doing it. I kind of just went out there and, and threw a touchdown. I was pretty hyped up. I, but I, I saw it on the broadcast, too. I don't know exactly what I was thinking. Okay. <laughs> with, uh, with your experience, Patrick, you, you know what it takes to be successful on Thursday night game. I'm just wondering, because this one is so early in the year, how much do you weigh what you've done in the past that has led to success on Thursday night? And how much of there's a balance of getting extra sleep or 
maybe sacrificing sleep so that you are fully prepared. Yeah, I think usually I sacrifice sleep earlier in the week, and then as you get closer to the game, try to get back on your sleep schedule and, and getting your recovery back up there. I um, mean, they, they're tough. I mean, um, they're always tough because your body's not necessarily all the way back to where you want it to be, but you have to find ways to battle through it. And um, uh, early in the season is kind of good and bad because you kind of like when you play a division game, we've studied the Chargers a lot in the offseason, so you still have that fresh on your mind. But it seems like in the hits that you take early in the season, you're a little bit more sore because you're not used to them again. So uh, it's a it's a kind of there's positive and negatives to it, but you just try to go in there and play your best football when it comes down to it at the, uh, at the end of the day. I would like to take this time to thank our guest, fullback Mike Burton from the Chiefs, and remind everyone to please follow us on Twitter at The Chiefs Wire for the latest updates. Until next time, I'm Ed Easton Jr. Thanks for listening.